This is a Pele Media Podcast. Welcome back to Jurassic Park Minute. Jurassic Park Minute is the fan podcast where we chronicle and overanalyze the classic 1993 film Jurassic Park minute by minute. I'm Kyle. I'm Brady. And today we're here to talk about minute number 82. Brady, how are you doing today? Doing good. Pretty cool minute. We're finally getting uh, a chance to settle down, you know, after several minutes of just being on our feet and... Yeah, so, I, I think yeah. this is kind of like the, the, the cool down moment for the audience after a very intense uh, several weeks of of uh, Tyrannosaurus attacks here and Dennis Nidri getting eaten by Lophosaurus, another Tyrannosaurus chase. This is kind of like the first moment I think where everybody has to just kind of like sit back and, and you know, kind of take a moment to breathe and kind of go over everything that just happened. So You know, and... I'll, to this film's credit, I just want to show you like how invested everyone is when they watch this movie. We're not going to have any more action for a while, for a long while, and you're you're not even going to notice that. You're still going to be completely invested. Uh, and the closest thing you're going to get to an action sequence is the chase, being chased by the Gallimimus, which isn't really that intense and short-lived. Uh, but you don't even notice it because we're still following the characters in this character-driven movie. And, uh, you know, you got to applaud the performances, the writing, everything for that. So, Yeah. Well, do you want to go ahead and get into this minute and we can talk about kind of uh, what we see as far as character growth goes on the other side? Let's do it. Let's do it. In the previous minute, we saw Ellie, Malcolm, and Muldoon outrun the Tyrannosaurus Rex. As the minute ended, their jeep rode off into safety. At minute number 82, as the jeep carrying Malcolm, Ellie, and Muldoon drives off, the T-Rex can be heard bellowing in defeat in the distance. At 82.02, we cut to Tim listening to the sound of the Rex. The camera moves past Lex, who asks if anyone can hear what's going on. The camera pulls back even further to show Dr. Alan Grant, who is listening to the sounds of the Rex. At 82.10, Grant grabs Tim and tries to help him move along faster. Grant tells the kids that they need to get up into a tree. Grant finds a good climbing spot and helps Tim onto the tree. Tim remarks that he hates trees. Lex states that trees don't bother her. Tim tells her that's because she was not in the last one. At 82.35, the three make their way up into the tree. At 82.44, Tim, Lex, and Grant finally make their way to the top of the tree. The sound of dinosaurs moaning softly in the distance can be heard. Tim gets excited and points off into the distance. He says, those are brontosaurus, I mean brachiosaurus. At 82.49, we cut to a shot of the distance where at least the heads of three long-necked dinosaurs can be seen. Grant remarks that they are all singing. The dinosaurs continue to communicate with a low, bellowing noise. The group takes a moment to take in the tranquil scenery before them. And thus ends minute number 82 of Jurassic Park. So yeah, this minute uh, is largely uh, of people climbing a tree. You know, there's about half of the minute is taken up with them kind of getting up into the tree so they can get away from the Tyrannosaurus if it shows back up at some point during the night. But uh, we start to get to see kind of the softer side of Dr. Alan Grant here. Yeah, absolutely. Grant has um, had to save Tim from one tree, and now he's getting him back up into the into the next one. So we kind of see his investment in both Lex and Tim as kids, and we know, you know, up until when we met Grant earlier in the movie, and to up until he has to rescue Tim, he's not a huge fan of kids. So we take a character and put him in a situation where he's uncomfortable, and give him an opportunity to kind of grow as a person. And I think they do a pretty good job with that. Yeah, they do, and it's uh, slow. It's it's drawn out. It's not. This just um, big thing that happens like all at once. You're seeing his growth as a parental figure happen over the course of several scenes. 
And, uh, and he, the great thing is that he's not even becoming that aware of it. Um, a little bit in this, in this next minute where we see the kids kind of like, you know, curl up on him to go to sleep. But, uh, before them, it's just, it's a natural evolution that's taking place within this character. Yeah, exactly. Um, so there's a moment in this where Tim mistakes the brontosaur, the brachiosaurus for brontosaurus. And when you were growing up, did you always hear the, the, the story about how the brontosaurus didn't actually exist? Uh, no, go into that. So that's kind of what I had heard for a long time, and I'm not 100% uh, clear on all the details of it, but I know that a Brachiosaurus and a Brontosaurus uh, are both sauropods, and that the Apatosaurus is actually the correct name for what is known as the Brontosaurus. So it's approximately 20 feet shorter and 30 tons lighter than a Brachiosaurus, and the Apatosaurus stood 30 to 35 t- feet uh, from head to tail. Uh, was 65 to 75 feet long, weighing 18 tons. So it had a 15 to 17 foot neck. So this is still a pretty big thing, but smaller yeah. than the Brachiosaurus. And from what I understand, there is an animal that we would know as the Brontosaurus. The only problem is a complete skeleton has never been found. So earlier on, they were taking pieces of a Brontosaurus and sticking like an Apatosaurus skull on it and saying like, oh, this is the Brontosaurus. And that led to a lot of confusion for a long time that the brontosaurus didn't exactly exist, and that the brachiosaur was the you know thing that was mistaken for the brontosaurus all the time. All right, I think because the brontosaurus parts of the brontosaurus skeleton were found first. So, this is my understanding of it. The brontosaurus is a real thing, but a complete skeleton of it has never been found. A skull has never been recovered on a brontosaurus. So, but you know, oh, go, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. What we're seeing in this scene though is the uh, brachiosaur. That's what's in Jurassic Park, the brachiosaurus. Well, that's, that's interesting that they make that little notice of Tim not immediately being sure of what it is. Um, I'm, I'm very glad that they chose the Brachiosaurus as the, in both the book and the movie uh, as the first dinosaur that you see because it has more majesty than just about any animal that has ever walked this earth uh, that we're familiar with anyway. And it just it – the, the reason I've always found it a little bit more appealing, uh, I guess appealing is the right word, than let's say what we know is like a Brontosaurus or Patosaurus or whatever – is how it stands upright and its neck just goes so straight in the air and is so high. And it's, uh, I don't know, man, it's just, it's a much more interesting animal to look at, I think, and, and watch. And I'm assuming it moved exactly like it does here in the movie. I've always been a big fan of the Brachiosaurus. I think it's a really cool dinosaur. Yeah. And it's kind of, when you think of a dinosaur, it's probably, at least for me, is the first thing that comes to mind. You know, it's just kind of the, the silhouette of the Brachiosaur or the Brontosaurus is, is kind of like the standard, you know, it's probably one of the first dinosaurs you learned about when you're a kid because it's so alien compared to anything that's alive today. Other than it looks like you know a giraffe and a, a, a elephant kind of together as an animal, uh, but it's really that's kind it. of this like also is depicted as being kind of this, like friendly, safe to learn about dinosaur. You know, it's not something savage mm-hmm. like the Tyrannosaurus or anything like that. But um, yeah, it's uh, it's it's a very cool thing to have in this now. There's a shot that I think it has to be intentional in this. Um, you know the ride in Epcot's Universe of Energy? Yeah. And I think it's Ellen DeGeneres' Universe of Energy now. Uh, when you first start into kind of the mobile portion of that ride, it takes you through a scene where there's all these dinosaurs together. And they have silly stuff like a Stegosaurus fighting a Tyrannosaurus. And, you know, it, it's really weird. But there's some Brachiosaurus off in the distance. And when this ride first opens at cur- its curtain and you go into it, you get what looks exactly like what's going on here. Kind of a sunset in the distance with like purple and orange hues and the silhouette of like three 
long neck dinosaurs eating like moss and, and you know vegetation and stuff like that. And I think that this shot kind of has to be uh, a purposeful callback to to that kind of iconic image when you're going through Universe of Energy. I can definitely see what you're talking about. I actually think that this um, this shot, this image of them on the branch with them in the background, the beautiful sunset or sunrise, early sunrise, whatever it is, uh, is kind of the defining image in the entire movie. It's um, these people just, you know, in this natural environment, observing these dinosaurs that just don't belong here. And it's, it's just such a defining image. It's an amazing image. It's definitely an iconic shot. And it's, it's, it plays a nice juxtaposition from all the intense, you know, violent scenes of dinosaurs too. You know, the stuff that you paid to go see all this uh, dinosaur action. But you do get the scene of the, you know, kind of the majesty of what these creatures look like in their heyday, which is, I think, in the next minute, uh, Lex mistakes them, or mistakenly calls them monsters. And Grant says, no, no, they're not monsters, they're just animals, you know. But of course, you know, for everything Lex has known about these, I think she has every right to call them monsters at that <laughs> yeah. point. And, you know, they, they are, you know, uh, I've got to forgot the word, um, herbivores, is that it? Yeah. Yeah, Okay. So they are herbivores, but there's no way to tell that, you know, just because this animal prefers to eat vegetation doesn't mean that it won't, you know, tear you in half to think that, you know, you're getting between right. it and its calf. So, uh, you know, I I understand where Lex is coming from, given the experiences she has had in this movie. Maybe she's a little bit standoffish at this point. but Yeah, uh, the, the experiences she's had over the last, like, hour of her life. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so this minute, uh, while there's not a whole lot going in, uh, it's going to lead into the next couple of minutes where we get a little bit of character development, but it's a fantastic use of pacing, which this movie is brilliantly paced. Uh, everything comes at the right time. It moves, you know, super fast, and uh, you're, you're never bored with it. And this is just a perfect break from all the intense action that we've had to, to kind of get a moment for, for Grant's character development. So... But we will get into more of that tomorrow in minute number 83. So, Brady, if you're ready, we can go ahead and get out of here. Let's do it. All right, folks, join us tomorrow for minute number 83. We're going to talk a little bit more about Dr. Grant's uh, humanity and <laughs> the building up to that. So, uh, And as always, I'm Kyle. I'm Brady. And until next time, hold on to your butts. Jurassic Park Minute is a fan-supported podcast. If you like the podcast, then leave us a review on iTunes. You can contact us at JurassicParkMinute at gmail.com and visit us online at JurassicParkMinute.com, Facebook.com slash JurassicParkMinute, and Twitter.com slash JurassicMinute. You've been listening to a Pele Media Podcast. For premium content and exclusive podcasts, visit us at Patreon.com slash Media. Check us out on Facebook at facebook.com slash and follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash